says that وَإِذْ and also remember, recall when جَعَلْنَا الْبَيْتَ we made the house مَثَابَةً لِلنَّاسِ as a place of return for all people. Which house is this? This is the house of Allah, meaning the Kaaba in the city of Mecca, which Ibrahim السلام, built. And when he built it, he declared the Hajj. And so this place became a Mathaba for all people. What is this word Mathaba? Mathaba is from the root letters Thawawba. And Mathaba is basically a place to which people return time after time. It's basically a place where people gather. And they gather, they do what they have to, then they disperse. But then they come back to that place again. And this happens over and over again. People gather, they disperse, they gather, they disperse, they gather, they disperse. This is why the word mathaba is actually used for a house also. Because what happens in your house is that every night it's full. But then what happens during the day? Empty. Nobody's there. Then again in the evening, everybody's back home. And then again in the morning, it's empty. So people disperse, they come back. Now there are many places that are built in this world for huge gatherings. Like for example, a place is built for the Olympics. And then what happens, it's full for that week or for that month or for that duration. And then what happens? Years later, you find that place empty. You find it vandalized. You find the windows broken. You find the pools empty. This is the reality of many huge arenas that are built. Millions of dollars are spent to build those arenas. And then those buildings, they lay empty. There was a massive congregation, but then a congregation like that never happened again. But the Kaaba, Masjid al-Haram, what kind of a place is it? It's always busy, isn't it? Always busy. No matter what time of the day, of the night, of the year you go to that place, you will find it full. And Hajj especially makes it a mathaba. Because at Hajj, yes, you will find the largest gathering. But then what happens? People go away. But then again, next year, the place is full. So this is mathaba. So the Kaaba, Masjid al-Haram, is a mathaba for all people. Meaning Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made this place so attractive, so fulfilling, that people go to it, and then they want to go again. And then they want to go again, and again. I know somebody who every time they go for Umrah, they make a tawaf with only dua that, Oh Allah, bring me back here again. That's the only dua they make in that tawaf. And mashallah, this individual keeps going back again and again. And I envy them a lot. So this is the beauty of this place. It's mathaba. And you see, since the past many years, thousands of years, this place is busy. There's so many other places in the world which, you know, for a century or two, for a thousand years maybe, they were busy. You know, people came to that place. But then what happened? They forgot about it. They moved on to something else. But the Kaaba is the Kaaba. It is a mathaba for all people. It's a place of return for all people. Has it ever happened that people come to visit you and they're like, let's go to Niagara Falls? And then what happens? You're like, Niagara Falls? I mean, I've been there so many times. Isn't it? There are some people who love the falls and they will go again and again. But there are other people who are like, you know what, I think I'm done. But the Kaaba, even if you've been ten times, 
you will want to go there again. Because each visit has its own benefit. So it's a mathaba for people. Secondly, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made this place also amna, A place of security, a place of safety. Amn. Hamza mim noon. Where people are secure. And this is a reality. Recently I had people visiting us from the same part of the world near Makkah. And they were shocked that why do you lock the door every time? You know, like when you're going, you lock the door, you lock the car. Why do you do that? I'm like, of course you have to do that. They're like, we never do that. I'm like, lucky you. You live in a place that's safe and secure. I don't. Right? So I have to lock the house. I have to lock the car. So Amnan, it's a place of safety. This is how Makkah is. This is how the Kaaba is. You know, the Arabs, they didn't really live in peace. There was a lot of bloodshed. A lot of insecurity in the land. Not just when they traveled, but even at home. But Makkah was one place where you would be safe. Meaning, even if a person found the murderer of his dad, of his family, you would leave him alone. A criminal even would be safe in Makkah. This is why many criminals, they would just run to Makkah. And, you know, they would just grab the cloth of the Kaaba and they're like, you can't touch me, you know. You can't do anything to me. I'm in that safe zone. So that's how Makkah is. It was. مَثَابَةً لِلنَّاسِ وَأَمْنًا we learn about the Kaaba in Surah Ankabut, verse 67. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, أَوَلَمْ يَرَوْ أَنَّا جَعَلْنَا حَرَمًا آمِنًا Do they not see that we have made the haram, meaning Masjid al-Haram, a place of safety, وَيُتَخَطَّفُ النَّاسُ مِنْ حَوْلِهِمْ Where people are, you know, attacked everywhere else. But in Makkah they're safe. So the house of Allah is a place of safety, a place of security. Allah says, وَاتَّخِذُوا مِن مَقَامِ إِبْرَاهِيمَ مُصَلَّى وَاتَّخِذُوا And all of you, O people, you should take مِن مَقَامِ إِبْرَاهِيمَ The maqam of Ibrahim, take that as a musalla. Take that as a place of salah. What is the maqam of Ibrahim? Maqam from the root letters qaf wa mim. Maqam is basically a place where you do qiyam, meaning a place of standing. So the maqam of Ibrahim is understood as two things. Make sure you get this down. First of all, Maqam of Ibrahim is that stone on which Ibrahim stood when he was building the Kaaba. And so we learned that when he was building the Kaaba, he didn't really have any fancy equipment or machinery. So as he had to lay the bricks or the stones, that stone that he was standing on would go up and down. So the Maqam of Ibrahim is the place, the rock, the stone on which Ibrahim stood to build the Kaaba. And the footprints of Ibrahim are preserved in that stone. Right? I mean, now if you look at it, it doesn't really look like a footprint. It's more like a hollow, two hollow holes in the rock. But that's because people have been touching it, etc. over time, so it's smoothened out. But the footprints of Ibrahim are preserved in that stone. So this is the Maqam Ibrahim. And you see it now near the Kaaba in a case. So that's the Maqam Ibrahim. Secondly, Maqam Ibrahim refers to all of the places where Ibrahim stood in order to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So it refers to the places where Ibrahim performed rituals of Hajj. So what does this ayah mean? That وَاتَّخِذُوا مِن مَقَامِ إِبْرَاهِيمَ مُصَلَّى 
take the maqam Ibrahim as a place of salah. Firstly, what this means is that the maqam Ibrahim, the stone on which he built the Kaaba, that stone, you perform salah over there. This is the reason why when you do tawaf of the Kaaba, what do you have to do? Has anybody been for Hajj or Umrah? What do you do after you do tawaf? Do you remember? You have to pray two rakah. And where are you supposed to perform those two rakat? Near the Maqam Ibrahim. And of course, because of the rush, if you're not able to perform the two rakat by the Maqam Ibrahim, you pray those two rakat anywhere in the haram, as close to the Maqam Ibrahim as possible. And secondly, take the place of Ibrahim as musalla, meaning you worship Allah where he worshipped Allah. This is the explanation of the previous verse. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said to Ibrahim السلام, that he was going to be made imam. So here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commands us to follow Ibrahim السلام, to pray where he prayed, to stand where he stood, to remember Allah where he remembered Allah, to make dua where he made dua, to offer sacrifice where he offered sacrifice, to throw stones on shaitan where he threw stones on shaitan. So, وَاتَّخِذُ مِن مَقَامِ إِبْرَاهِيمَ مُصَلَّى Worship Allah as He worshipped Allah. Ibrahim is your leader. Then we see, وَعَهِدْنَا إِلَىٰ إِبْرَاهِيمَ وَإِسْمَعِيلَ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that we commanded Ibrahim and Ismail. You see the word عَهِدْنَا إِلَىٰ عَهِدَ عَيْنْ هَادَال is to take a promise and عَهِدَ إِلَىٰ is to give a command to someone. That you obligate them to do something. It's not optional for them. You obligate them to do it. So it's like a covenant. It's like a promise. So we commanded Ibrahim and Ismail, both. Ibrahim salam, the father, Ismail salam, his son. Both of them were commanded, and that tahira bayti. Both of you clean my house. Which house is this? The Kaaba. Tahira from the root letters, tahira. Right? Tahara to clean, tahara to purify something. So clean my house, keep it clean, purify it. And this cleanliness is referring to two things. First of all, clean it in the physical sense, so it shouldn't be dirty, it shouldn't be filthy. And secondly, clean it in a spiritual sense, that there should be no idolatry there. Tahira bayti. For who? Littaifin wal akifin wal sujud. Clean the house of Allah for the people who will come. Who are the people who will come to the house of Allah? First of all, الطائفين. طائفين, plural of ta'if. Who is ta'if? One who does tawaf of the karma. Why are the ta'ifin mentioned first? Because tawaf is an act of worship you can do only in the haram. You cannot do tawaf anywhere else. You can only do it around the karma. وَالْعَاكِفِينَ Akifin is a plural of عَاكِف عَيْن كَافَ And عَاكَفَ is to basically remain at a place in devotion, to not leave it. And عَاكِفِينَ is referring to the people who do i'tikaf. You know i'tikaf in the month of Ramadan? So عَاكِفِينَ, those who stay in the masjid and worship Allah over there. الرُّكَّعْ Rukkar is a plural of رَاكِر And who is رَاكِر? One who is doing رُكُور رَاكَافْ عَيْن what is rukur? The position in salah in which you bend down. And as-sujood is a plural of sajid. 
Who is sajid? The one who is doing sajda. So clean the house for the people who will come and worship Allah in the house. Now, we see many things in this verse. But mainly, we see over here that the house of Allah, the Kaaba, is supposed to be a place that is a place of return, mathaba. Secondly, it's a place of security, a place of safety. And thirdly, it is a place that is supposed to be clean. Right? It's supposed to be clean. Three things, remember this, about the house of Allah. So first of all, let's look at the first description. Mathaba, a place of return for people. Ibrahim when he built the Kaaba, who lived in Mecca at that time? Who lived in Mecca at that time? Very few people. Who lived around Mecca? Nobody. It was an empty desert. And in the desert, nothing really grows. So Ibrahim was concerned about the people of this place, that how are they going to survive? How are they going to live? So he made dua. In Surah Ibrahim, verse 37, we learned that Ibrahim made dua that فَجْعَلْ أَفْئِدَةً مِنَ النَّاسِ تَهْوِي إِلَيْهِمْ That, oh Allah, make the hearts of people incline towards this place and to the dwellers of this place. So that people come to it again and again. They visit it again and again. And this is where we need to look at ourselves. That a masjid, the house of Allah, is a place where we should return again and again. Sometimes what happens is that if we go to the mall and we haven't been for like a week, I feel like something's missing. I need to go to the mall. I need to go there. This is what we think. Whereas the worst places near Allah are which places? The worst places. It's the marketplace. What's the best place near Allah? It's the masjid. So the masjid is a place that we should visit again and again. Repeatedly. Not just in Ramadan, not just on Saturday for a class, but otherwise also. Because it's a mathaba for people. Secondly, a place of aman, a place of safety and security. Which means that it is our responsibility to ensure that a masjid is a safe place. Safe place. What does it mean? On the one hand, we shouldn't do anything that will disturb the peace of the masjid. And on the other hand, when people come to the masjid, we should make them feel safe. Them, their belongings, their honor, their dignity. So when we are in a masjid, let us not forget to treat people and their belongings with respect. Because it's supposed to be a place of aman. So if it's somebody else's shoes on the shoe rack, please respect them. They're somebody else's shoes, not my shoes, not yours. The people, their belongings should be safe. When people are worshipping, they have come to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, let's welcome them and let's not yell at them and be mean to them and run around like we were in a park. You know, step on their glasses and, and break them. I mean, that's not cool. It should be a place of aman. Recently there was a shooting in Quebec City uh, in one of the mosques there. And uh, I was there in Quebec City um, just like after that and stuff about a week ago. And and my husband said that we should go and pray at a mosque nearby. And that was the closest mosque. And I said, is it safe to go there? 
And he said, yeah, it'll be fine, inshallah, you know. And so we went there, and the entire mosque was locked with, like, scanners and everything. And subhanAllah, the masjid organizers, or like the staff, they gave out fobs and stuff to all the attendees so that they could scan it and enter and feel safe there. And like it was just so amazing to see that. Alhamdulillah, like the expenses that might have come out from that, that like it was hard to think about it. But they went to that extent to make the worshippers, the attendees, feel safe there. Yeah. yeah, that is important. That people, you know, when they come to the masjid, they should feel safe. And as Muslims, also, it's our duty to ensure that people around us feel safe. I mean, recently somebody came and told me that their brand new shoes. Right, we're just taken from the masjid. And I was shocked. I was like, this class, I mean, these are people coming to study the Qur'an. If we bring our shoes, they should be safe. So we cannot always say that, you know, it's other people, they should be treating us with respect and our belongings with respect. It begins with individuals. You start respecting other people's things and other people's honor, and inshallah, this respect will spread. So because the masjid is supposed to be a place of aman. And especially the Kaaba. Especially the Kaaba. In a hadith we learned the Prophet ﷺ said that Allah the Exalted, not people, but Allah has made Makkah sacred. Who has made Makkah sacred? Allah has, not people. So it is not permissible for any person who believes in Allah in the last day to shed blood in it or to even cut a tree in it. So imagine, people should be safe, but even other creatures should be safe in the house of Allah. It is a place of aman. And then we see that the house of Allah is supposed to be clean. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is commanding Ibrahim and Ismail to clean the house. Imagine, Prophet Ibrahim, who is supposed to be the Khalil of Allah, the friend of Allah, is being told, clean the house. If we are ever asked to clean a place, how do we feel? We're like, why are you telling me to clean? You know, you want me to take the mic, I'll do that. But tell me to clean? No, that doesn't befit me. But what do we see? Ibrahim, Ismail, السلام, are commanded to clean the house of Allah. Because cleaning the house of Allah is a very noble thing to do. It's a very respectable thing to do. Because you are cleaning whose house? Allah's house. And that is honor. You are cleaning a place where people will come and worship Allah. So when they come and worship Allah, and they do that easily, they do that happily. Why? Because you prepared the place for them. Guess what? You're also getting a share of the reward. Because you helped them worship Allah easily. By cleaning the place. So, clean the house. And this teaches us a number of things. So firstly, it teaches us that it befits everybody to clean the house of Allah. If Ibrahim is supposed to do it, then what about us? Are we responsible for cleaning the masjid also? Are we? Yes. We are also responsible for cleaning the masjid. And you know the person who used to clean the masjid at the time of the Prophet wasallam. And they were basically a nobody. I mean, there is a difference of opinion. Some said it was a woman, some said it was a man. They're not even sure about who exactly that person was, a man or a woman. But what is known is that they used to clean the masjid, 
And what happened? One day they died, and the people, you know, they just buried them. And the Prophet ﷺ asked that, where is this individual? And when they told him that, you know, this person died and we buried him, the Prophet ﷺ was like, how come you didn't tell me? So he went to the grave of that person and prayed for them over there. Begged Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to forgive them and to reward them. This is how the Prophet ﷺ treated the people who cleaned the masjid. So this is something that we can also do, we should also do. Clean the masjid. And clean the masjid does not mean that, you know what, we just got to do the vacuum only. Or we've got to have all the cleaning equipment. Cleaning the masjid could even be something like, you know, if you are removing the mushaf from the shelf, put the rest of the mushaf back properly. You know, clean up the bookshelf. When it comes to leaving our shoes at the front, let's put them away properly. When it comes to sitting in the masjid, once we're done using the masjid, let's clean up after ourselves. Let's look and ensure that we haven't dropped a tissue, dropped any garbage, any pencil shavings. You know, let's pick that up. So Ibrahim salam, Ismail salam are cleaning the house of Allah. Then we also see that we should all put our share in the cleanliness, in the maintenance of the masjid. All of us. Whether it be physically, meaning we actually help in the cleanup of the masjid, or even financially. Even financially. You know, for example, if you go to a masjid, let's say you're driving to Montreal, you stop at, let's say, Kingston Masjid, and you pray there, you use the bathroom there, you, you know, eat your food there, you kind of relax, you know, you walk around outside, you enjoy. But then what? Shouldn't we put our share in the maintenance of the masjid? Even if it's a few dollars, we should put something in. I remember a long time ago, I was in Paris, and we were somewhere outside, sightseeing, and we needed to use a bathroom. And the only bathrooms that were there for public use were bathrooms that you had to pay for. So you had to basically put money in. Only then the door would open and you could use a bathroom. And I was like, wow. You know, the bathroom is not even clean. It stinks. And all sorts of people have been using it. And then on top of that, I have to give money to be able to use a bathroom. That's just weird. But it's understood. I mean, you're using water, you're using energy, and somebody's paying for it. Isn't it? So when we use a masjid, what all is being used? We're using the electricity, whether it's in the form of lighting, or heating, or air conditioning, the parking, the benches, the carpet, etc., etc. So we have to put in our share also, in the cleaning of the masjid. وَإِذْ جَعَلْنَا الْبَيْتَ مَثَابَةً لِلنَّاسِ وَأَمْنًا وَاتَّخِذُوا مِن مَقَامِ إِبْرَاهِيمَ مُصَلَّى وَعَهِدْنَا إِلَى إِبْرَاهِيمَ وَإِسْمَاعِيلَ أَنْ طَهِّرَا بَيْتِي أَنْطَهِرَ بَيْتِيَ لِلطَّائِفِينَ وَالْعَاكِفِينَ وَالرُّكَّعِ السُّجُودِ 